What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SIFPOP Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, we do not podcast with our mouths. He who podcasts with his mouth has forgotten the face of his father. We podcast with our minds. It's SIFPOP. Long days and pleasant nights, Aaron. That one was for you, Andrew. Thank you. Welcome to Civ Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! Kyle. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy! And each week, we're usually joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. But today, Andrew... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It did. Oh, yeah. Me and you, Andrew. Just me and you. That's all it takes. It. Just takes two. It doesn't take more than that. We can we can make the Dark Tower review happen with just the two of us. I'm wondering how many songs there are about just two that you're going <laughs> to run through. Every time we don't have a guru? Exactly, yeah. Hey, man. We'll see. We'll f- try to figure it out. Uh, how are you feeling? Before we get to the, like, you know, we've got the review coming up with the Dark Tower. I just want to kind of gauge... Physically or emotionally? Yeah, I'm just like, you know, I got a lot of Twitter, you know, hits this week asking about, you know, is Andrew doing okay? He saw The Dark Tower. It's his favorite thing ever in the history of mankind. The books are. true, yeah. So, you know, they just wanted to check in on you, you know? That's kind of people. That's very (laughs) kind of people. They're about to find out whenever we do the review. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to make them wait a little bit longer because we still have one more thing to discuss before that. Yeah, we've got some stuff going on. Um, All speaking of stuff going on. The whole studio where we record is like moving in the next month. So yeah. it could be an interesting month, you know, figuring out recordings and, you know, uh, podcasts, that kind of stuff. So uh, it's, yeah. So that's my mind's there because you know, if you don't know this, the studio is in my home. So that means my whole home is moving <laughs> in the next month or so. Surprise. So, yeah, exactly. It was a surprise, which is, you know, another reason it's kind of crazy. But. We're figuring it out, and uh, we will do our best to make sure we keep the Sif Pops coming. You've been tackling it with grace, Aaron. Oh, thanks, man. I don't see you getting, uh, you know, this whole kerfuffle of, like, having to move really quickly. Yeah. You seem to be taking it all in stride, so. I I don't see you as a person. Honestly, I don't see you as a person who really shows, like, that kind of stuff, like, emotionally, like, outwards. You just keep all that stuff, like, inside. Yeah. Well, I I love emotion. Like, I have no problem showing emotion. Um, I think I was gifted with an easygoing spirit. So, like, stuff just kind of rolls off me. Uh, Too easygoing, some would say, at some point. You know what I mean? I will have times. To your detriment. Yeah, I will have times where people are like, you need to, like, get angry about this. You need to do something. Just like, I don't, man. It's all going to work out. Yeah. I just kind of have that, you know, as the dude mentality you know or it's just like i like that about you though yeah yeah well it can come in handy every once in a while it makes you very approachable um well we're about to approach some really fun stuff uh we've got of course our buried treasure we've got a really cool sift quest i'm excited to talk about 
Uh, we're going to review The Dark Tower. But first, let's talk about some Do We Care. Every single week, I scour the internets to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick three topics for us to discuss, and we must decide whether or not we care about them. Alrighty. Topic number one, Daniel Craig will be returning as James Bond in 2019. That's kind of a surprise. I really thought he was done. Me too. So are you excited about this? <sighs> He's two for two. He's made two good James Bonds, and he's made two bad James Bonds. Oh, two and two. I, when you said two for two, I was like, I think he's made more oh, than two. Oh, two for four, yeah. 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 Two yeah. for four. You're right. I, I would actually agree with that. Um, and even the bad ones, he's not bad in. You, see, you can't true. really put all that on his shoulders. Uh, but I, I, I think I'm fine with it. Like, he's a good actor. He works his Bond. I was kind of ready for a new Bond. It's one of those characters that we've kind of grown accustomed to seeing a new face there every once in a while. Mm -hmm. You know, like Doctor Who or, you know, kind of one of those things. And uh, and I was ready. So now I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm not ready. <laughs> I think the thing is with James Bond, hasn't haven't they been spreading out his movies a lot more than what they normally spread out the movies? Like, if you think Pierce Brosnan, I think they were coming out every year. A new James Bond? Yeah, because at and that Connery point, and Moore were putting him out like nonstop. How many Bonds did each of those guys do? Well, I think that's one of the reason he's reasons he's been willing to do it, right? Is because yeah. he can do other stuff. Like when Brosnan was doing it, that was it. That was all he was doing. And I think they realized, or Daniel realized, that he didn't want to get himself locked into that character for a decade. Yeah, where you know that's all anybody recognized him for and so i think he's probably part of the reason they space those out i would guess yeah so um, i'm excited uh, somebody asked in the chat if nolan is going to be directing because we did discuss or er, er, a couple weeks ago that nolan wants to do yeah. a bond film there is no set director right now yeah i don't think he he will i i think that was just him you know chatting about you know franchises he'd like a shot at kind of thing yeah hey i'm still open to it if he wants to do bond let him do bond uh, Bond is one of those interesting franchises. It's been around forever, man. Yeah, it truly has. I heard somebody compare it to superhero movies in that people ask how long are superhero movies going to last? And they said, well, look at James Bond. You know, it, it can last, you know, forever. Uh, it just, it'll shift. It'll change, you know. So I think they're right. I think the superhero genre will be with us forever. That's true. Number two. Yep. This is a long one, so bear with me. No problem. Lionsgate won a bidding war against Warner Brothers and Universal over a screenplay about a female assassin entitled Ballerina. Now, since Lionsgate bought it, Lionsgate officials have stated that they want to weave this script into the universe of John Wick. But what do you think about taking a script for a movie that is not intended for a universe and forcing it into it? I, I am totally fine with it. It happens all the time. Um, I, I think it happens the majority of the time. The majority of scripts that you see in sequels or expanded universes actually came from a different place. They came from an original idea. Uh, I do see how you know we could start to get frustrated by the fact that original ideas don't get to see their own light of day. Mm -hmm. But as long as I feel like some of that is still happening, I don't mind you know them adapting these kind of things. Yeah. And we've discussed before about the John Wick films. The one big pro that they have is the universe itself. That yeah, great universe building. It's so fascinating. Yeah, it is. So I think it would easily lend itself to another one. I just didn't know about, you know, taking something and then repurposing it. Yeah, I thought at first you were going to say as the Atomic Blonde sequel. No, 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 no. Nope, we're going John Wick. That could be interesting. Yep. Number three? Yeah, go for it. Uh, Warner Brothers is revamping the novel The Body Snatchers for the fifth time. This will be the, well, I guess it'll be the fourth time that they're revamping it. It's the fifth one. So the first one came out in 1956, and uh, next one comes out, I think, next year. So tell me about your connection to Invasion of the Body Snatchers, because I have done. So, like, my answer would be no, I don't. Me neither. I don't really care. So, so. I was, I didn't know if you did. <laughs> you had five, I guess I had five times to see this movie, too, but we both failed on that front. I don't know, it just doesn't, I, but I'm not a horror guy either, so, yeah. you know, it's just kind of like, I just have never been interested in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It just feels, I mean, is it is it just... Like, uh, is it an alien movie where they mm -hmm. invade the body? Okay. I'm pretty like, I'm just sure really not. what it is is, you know, they invade your body, obviously, hence the title. <laughs> but uh, you can't, you you never know who's infected. Yeah. So it's one of those 
kind of like uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, whenever, you know, it changes and it looks like humans, you don't know mm-hmm. if it's real or not. So, like that. Well, just, just for a matter of correction and clarification, they don't invade your body, according to the title. They snatch your body, according to the title. They invade mm. your world and then snatch your body. So, they're, it's the invasion of the things that snatch bodies. Well played. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for Do We Care, Aaron. All right. Let's do it. Let's talk about the Dark Tower. These visions, as you call them. What do you see? I see a tower. The man in black. And the gunslinger. They're just dreams. They're not real, Jake. There's another world out there. I know there is. The Dark Tower has arrived. Uh, Roland Deschain, the last gunslinger, is locked in an eternal battle with Walter O'Dim, also known as the Man in Black. The gunslinger must prevent the Man in Black from toppling the Dark Tower, the key that holds the universe together. Of course, that uh, that doesn't really talk any about the little boy that's involved in this. I say little boy, the teenage boy that's involved in this movie. Kind of a lot different plot points going on there. Can I just say, even before we start this conversation, I know we're all anticipating Andrews. <laughs> Andrews. <laughs> Thoughts on the thing that is most important to him in the entire universe. But can I just say, I saw the trailer to The Dark Tower after I watched the movie, because I was putting together my review, and so I watched the trailer, that kind of thing. Okay. I have not been this frustrated with a trailer in a long time. Every single thing that is cool about this movie is in that trailer. Like, it is... It... I, I was... My mind was blown by what they give away in that trailer. I was just, oh, I like I feel like these are the moments where I cry out to the masses to take the zero frames pledge. Like take the pledge, see the movie in its original form and maybe you can have a little more fun than you would otherwise. I hope you can understand why this movie in particular I could not take that, <laughs> that pledge. Well, I there are a lot of factors with you Andrew. I would never ask you to take the pledge. I'm just saying if you have been burnt like me, Come alongside me, and together, we will take the Zero Frames Pledge. It's time now for the Sif Pop Zero Frames Pledge. I knew it was coming. I, Aaron Dicer, commit to seeing each movie in its purest storytelling form, not allowing a single moment of the story to be seen out of story context through trailers or early scene releases. As much as it is within my ability, I will see every frame of every movie for the first time as a completed work. We will now together recite the hashtag zero frames motto. The story just won't be the same if you've seen a single frame. So zero frames becomes our goal to see the film complete and whole. Hashtag zero frames challenge. Hashtag. All right. We can continue now. All right. (laughs) Well, Andrew, did you like it? Love it? It was just okay. Dislike it or hated it? Just in case we have new people listening to this, I'm going to let everybody know what's going on with me in this movie in the books. Okay. So, in case you don't know, I love the Dark Tower series by Stephen King more than any book, movie, video game, show, or song. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite medium of all time. Yeah. I have Dark Tower tattoos. I like the Dark Tower more than I like some people. <laughs> Just some? Just some. Most people are pretty chill. So if I had to choose between reading the Dark Towers or having that perf- person even exist, I think I'd say, yeah, you're okay. You can stay. <laughs> nice. But there are some people. <laughs> there are some people. There are some people. Whose existence doesn't outrank the Dark Tower. Exactly. Got it. So, Aaron, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh-huh. How did I feel about it? Yeah. I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. I feel like that was coming. Like, I feel like you knew that was coming in a lot of ways. I want you to know, though, Yeah, I did not hype this movie up. I had my expectations for this movie low. I want everybody to know that. Yeah, I did not think this movie was going to be the greatest thing of all time, because I'd heard horror stories of the production of this movie. I'd heard, you know, uh, how they were possibly changing it, and that this was actually not going to be an adaptation of the books, but it was going to be a sequel to the books. So I've heard all that, and I was upset by all that. And so my expectations were low going into this. Yeah. But I still hated it. Uh, that's too bad, man. What do you think? Um, I'm on the v- the high side of it was okay. okay. Almost to liked it. Um, Excellent. I, I had a good enough time with this that I, I got really close to saying liked it. I, I gave it a C plus 
but almost a B minus. Okay. So there was, I thought there was plenty to enjoy here for, and again, I'll give you my background. I don't know a thing about the books. Gonna, I haven't read a single word. So I'm going to have to rely a lot on you for this podcast, Aaron. Okay. Because a lot of my critiques are in comparison to the source material because right. I could not separate whenever I was watching this movie. I'm like, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. So it's difficult for me to separate performances, productions, cinematography, yeah. and all that whenever I know that it's not right. Well, and it's not just that it's not just the direct comparison to the source material. It's the attachment you have to the source material too. When you've got exactly. that deep of an attachment to something, it's like saying, you know, it's like it's almost as if they're making a bio, you know, a bio, a biopic about you and you're like, that's not me. I yes. don't do that. That's not who I, you know, so you kind of get, as somebody who's attached to the source material, I can totally see how that that would happen. Um, yeah. Well, let's, we'll start usually with the positive, so I guess okay. that falls on me. <laughs> I, have a pro, I have a positive. Why don't you go ahead and give your pro then? Okay, this movie does get one thing right okay. about the, uh, from the transition of the source material. Okay. Roland Duchesne is supposed to be otherworldly, even mythical, as a gunslinger. Yeah. His revolvers are a extension of him so he is from the line of eld meaning he is one of the greatest sharpshooters gunslingers gunsmen yeah. of all time they nail that in this movie his ability with the quick reloads mm -hmm. his deadly accuracy that's perfect whenever i think roland that what i saw on screen was what he could do and i think a lot of that has to do and i'll just transition into one of my big pros i think uh pros i think a lot of that has to do with idris elba too he is really good in that role He's okay. Um, I oh, I thought he was phenomenal. I loved what he brought. I loved the the presence he brought to that character and into the screen. I'll say this: a lot of the performances in this movie are good for what they were given as far as mm -hmm. script. Okay. So maybe whenever I say Idris Elba is okay, he's probably really good for what he was told to do. But compared to who Roland actually is, that's nothing like him. So, okay, because you're just coming from saying that they got Roland right in one area. So what's the distinction between, like, the character itself and... You just mean the gunslinging stuff? Like, how good he is with the guns? How good he is with the guns, that's okay. what they got right. Okay. If I were to say... Hopefully it won't be... It might be too spoiler-esque for me to say what his his persona is like in yeah, this sure. movie. So maybe I'll save that for spoilers. Sure, that's fine. So you have more pros... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I liked most of the acting in this movie. Uh, my problem with the characters didn't have to do with the performances. Uh, I did have some problems with the characters, um, but we can get to that in a little bit. I will say Matthew McConaughey uh, is playing a, I would say, a devil-like character. Yes. Um, and he has the gift of, you know, instructing people to do things and they do them, which is exactly the same as uh, David Tennant and Jessica Jones. Um, and I forget the name of that character. Kilgrave. Kilgrave. Yes. The same as Kilgrave. And my problem was, I was like, oh, David Tennant was so much better at this, <laughs> <laughs> but he was fine. He was yeah. fine. Like and there's something really cool about that, like easygoing mal maleficent, yeah. you know, kind of thing. But, um, Murph, I told you a hundred times. Um, but yeah, but I kept comparing him to Tennant for that. I, I really loved this world. And it's unfortunate if it's not the world that, that you loved from uh, the books. Apparently, it's different. Maybe we talk about that here or in spoilers or maybe a little of both. But I loved how clear and simple this idea is that they give about the Dark Tower, what it is, how it works, and what the the motivations are for these characters. Mm -hmm. I felt like it, it felt like a really well-contained story. That's fascinating. So, so it felt to me like I, I always knew, I always understood what everybody's motivation was. I always knew where everybody you know was heading, what they were trying to do, um, and and why they were trying to do it. Uh, and it was it was interesting in the fact that I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. I like I've never like Stephen King's mind just slays me. Like he can just create these ideas of this tower that is holding back demons in... Well, I'll tell you right now, this... You're, everything you're saying right now is not the books. Yeah, well... So, that's not Stephen King's mind. That's Akiva <laughs> Goldman's mind. Well, maybe... I mean, didn't King... I mean, he's certainly on board. I've seen him giving interviews about the movie, and, like, it's his baby. Yeah, but, uh... I'm excited to go into details, because I cannot wait to find out, like, what 
uh, how what you mean when you say that's not the book? Because there's a dark tower in the book. Are you saying the dark tower in the book? Or maybe there's not a dark tower in the book. It's called the dark tower. That's the thing. Nobody. Okay, I'll say this in the books. Roland Deschain is on a quest to get to the dark tower. He's not there to protect it. He's there to get it because his world, as we've seen in the book, his world is dying. He's going to the Dark Tower to see if it's even real, and if it is, if there's anything inside it that can fix his world. Whoa, that's so different. Isn't it very different? Yeah. And Well, what I'm telling you is I, I liked this version. Yeah. I didn't know the other version. The Man in Black isn't really his nemesis. He's a stepping stone. Because the Man in Black knows where the Dark Tower is. So all he's doing is trying to find him to get to the Dark Tower. I would be really interested to see Stephen King's, like, to really hear a, a like a really uh, vulnerable, transparent interview with him about this process and just kind of how he informed this story as it compares to the other stories. Because, because yeah, that's quite. A, I mean, that's quite a departure. Well, he sure. he sold the rights to this for nineteen dollars and nineteen cents, so he probably didn't have too much invested <laughs> in it. So that's not enough. He probably, not should, enough. probably you should have sold it for maybe nineteen million, nineteen cents. Yeah, something like that. Then you might have cared more about it. But so you said that you love this world that was given to you in yeah. this movie. Yeah. So that's interesting because I was worried from people coming into this not being familiar with the source material. If all there's a lot dropped on people in this movie, as far as like, is wait, what is that? What is that? Maybe it's because I know like little things that I keep picking up here and there. I'm like, yeah. man. That's a lot to drop on somebody, and it's all wrong. For me, I know it's wrong, but at the same time, like, so... But I didn't know it was wrong. It was oh, just what it was. It's totally, it's totally wrong, but, but at it's the not. same time... It's the story it's, the movie's telling. Like, you can't say it's... Like, okay, you can say it's different, but I don't think you can say it's wrong. I mean, it's the story they wanted to tell. If it's a sequel to the books, yeah, it's wrong. Is it a sequel to the books? That's what everybody's saying, that it's a continuation from where the books leave off. And if it is, hmm. then it negates information provided in the books. Okay. So. Yeah, it is interesting for me because I have none of that context. And, and I didn't find any, I didn't really find it confusing or hard to follow at well, all. Well, that's what I was concerned about because, like, maybe it's just because I know all this stuff. Like, the ball that McConaughey uses, you know? Those yeah. are insanely important to the book. But they just throw it out there, like, "Yep, I got a ball." And uh, yeah, but it's but it's obviously a um, a device that you know he uses much similar to I've seen used in Lord of the Rings or something like that. You know, to look into other places or those kind of things. I mean, they give enough information for me not to go, "What was that about?" Like, you okay, know, even though they don't go deep enough for you because you know more. Like for me, that was plenty. I didn't need to know more about that object. Okay, that's what I was concerned about. Like people going, "Wait, what was that thing? Why did he even bring that up?" But for I guess you're saying like, "Okay, I understand what his purpose yeah, I was I for the, the movie." Purpose. Yeah, for the movie. Okay, yeah, exactly. Well, that's I what I was so. concerned. So you just alleviated that for me. I think for me, um, I really also, even though it's too far and few between, and this is kind of a pro anacon, mm -hmm. uh, I really did enjoy the action. As I mentioned. Every single good action moment in this movie is in the trailer. Um, there are, and in the, I guess in spoilers, I'll go into details about four very specific things that happen in the movie that I was just like, wow, that's cool. Yeah. And they're all in the trailer. And <laughs> <laughs> so, but I did have those moments. But if yes. you've seen the trailer, you won't have those moments. You know, uh, you may have had them, I guess, a little bit in the trailer out of context, but you won't have them in the, you know, in the story. Yeah. Of the movie. So I did enjoy that. I will say, however, that a lot of the action is dark and it's difficult to see. There was uh, action with a creature that I really wish I could have seen clearer, mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of at night. And I wonder if that was to hide some of this, you know, CG stuff or, or what. But did you pick up on Easter eggs for other Stephen King properties in this no. movie? No, None? I, no, okay. I didn't. There was hundreds of them. Hundreds? Yeah. That's a lot. Like I, I can throw them out because they're not spoilers. Okay, but uh, do you remember when they're maybe going... just pick like you know? Yeah, one or a two. few. <laughs> yeah. So uh, remember when he's in the uh, the psych the psychiatrist office mm -hmm. and there was the earthquake going on. Yes. In the background is a picture of the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. Oh, cool. Um, whenever they're going through the amusement park, one of the names of the rides is Pennywise. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you saw that one. I did see that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's just a few of them, but there's a lot. There's a lot. Cool. Did you like that or not like that? Um, I was okay with it. 
Yeah, it's, just little it's, Easter eggs. Just little Easter eggs. So yeah, I didn't even really notice it, but um, but yeah, I think I'm ready to start talking about negatives. Negative. If you want to go more specific, other than it, you know, wasn't like the book. So um, so I'll for, let you go. For me, the reason these characters don't work is because there's no energy to the movie. The movie doesn't feel like it has uh, any kind of electricity running through it. Um, what I mean by that is, even though there's some backstory, like with this teenager who's at the center of the story, there's some really could be powerful backstory, but it never locks in what we're supposed to think about his journey in dealing with that backstory. Like it never locks into the metaphor never locks in. There's It brushes against a really cool metaphor about what happened to him in his past and how that relates to this new world. Yeah. Like I loved that stuff, but it never locked in. It was always just kind of on the surface and here or there. And so I think the movie lacks energy in that way. And for as tight of a movie as it was with a pretty short runtime for a movie like this, um, it did feel somehow still, it was a little bit plotting. Like there was just still moments where it was like, where's the energy to this? You know, um, when those cool actions, things happened, I was like, yes, but, you know, kind of in between, I was just like, I don't know. The dialogue wasn't um, wasn't electric enough to pull me along. Even though I was learning stuff, I wasn't like being pulled along by the momentum of it. Does okay. that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Totally makes sense. So I, I really felt like that was a, a big flaw with the movie for me. Mm. And, and really the only major flaw I had. So I think that they tried to turn this story, again, comparison, yeah, into more of a YA film. Did it feel like that at all to you? No, because there wasn't, there wasn't a love story. Like it wasn't, I didn't feel YA at all to me. No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking like Twilight and no, no, I'm talking about making the purpose of the film like about a young man and his journey. Because I don't maybe think, in that way. I don't think YA intentionally or always has to be romantic. In fact, it usually is. But you're right. No, you're absolutely right. No. Um. There's there's a real, th- there's a real thing about yeah about becoming a man here. Yeah. You know, there's a re- there's a real sense of what it means to, you know, be a man um, yeah. in that kind of way. So, um, so yeah, so I think that's, you know, one of the purposes in having that kind of teenage uh, protagonist. Cool. So. Any more cons? No, that really was the, the major one for me. I mentioned that, you know, the, um, the darkness and the action scenes, those kind of things. Um, yeah, you just... Is most of yours going to be in spoilers, like coming down to it's the differences? It's going to have to be a lot of spoilers, yeah. See, this is, um, let's just talk about this a little bit further before we move on, because I think this is important to distinguish. When I read Lord of the Rings and then saw the Lord of the Rings movies. Ooh, that reminds me. Yeah? Yeah, I'll let you finish, though. Well, I was just going to say, we have, this is where I first learned how to separate myself from expectations of a movie to be a book. Uh, having said that, Peter Jackson did a pretty phenomenal job of staying true to the source material as much as he can, but he changed some pretty major things over the course of those three movies. And that's where I learned to go, you know what? That's okay because it serves the movie better. Now that's different than changing the heart of a world that you've fallen fallen in love with. You know, so I, I can understand how there's a difference there, but at the end of the day, I do feel like every movie should have the, the chance to just stand up as its own movie and, and just say, okay, this is what I'm giving you. You know, it's big. Ba- I mean, look at look at the comic book movies. Obviously, they're taking those universes and changing a lot of yeah, the way of characters, liberties. yeah, relate to each other. Those kind of things. And I think they just thought they could do that with this universe yeah. as well. Yeah, I thought I was thinking because I knew it was going to be difficult for me to show you or to tell you what this movie was like for me to watch. And I think I came up with a pretty good comparison. Oh, okay, good. So. Imagine it's the year 2000. I come up to you, say that I'm a Hollywood executive, and that next year we're going to be adapting the Lord of the Rings books into film. Right. You get excited, right? Absolutely. You're a huge fan of the books, right? Yep. And I say, obviously, we're going to have to make some adaptations, because we always do. You're okay with that. Yeah. I say, we're going to make The Hobbit and all the Lord of the Rings movies, or books, into one movie. Okay. You tell yourself, wow, that's a lot to try and compress. (laughs) But, you know, it's doable. So I say, yeah, we're going to have to make some compromises. So Legolas, Gimli, and all the hobbits except for Frodo. Mm -hmm. Get them out of there. They're a waste. Okay. Take Aragorn. Make him reluctant and not want to help Frodo. Uh Uh-huh. Green Wormtongue, you remember him? Yep. We're now going to make him as powerful as Sauron. (laughs) Also, Sauron and Sauron, not in it. 
Grima Wormtongue is now the official villain of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. What would you think of that? Um, oh, I, we're also going to add some weird future technology <laughs> just for the heck of it. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that was the same source material. I. I would think that was a whole different thing. It's as if Akiva Goldsman did not read the books. What he did is he went online to Spark Notes, copied all the Spark Notes, and ran them through Google Translate. And whatever <laughs> came out on the other side is what he turned into the script. You know, I have had this experience, right? Yes. I mean, if, if you think hard enough, I think everybody can know what this experience was for me. Oh, oh, I'm trying to think. Oh. It was the last airbender, man. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I have had this experience. Of course, I think the last airbender is also an awful movie, even, you know, if it hadn't been based on anything, it's an awful movie, but well, they completely misunderstood that source material in that world. I've never seen the last airbender and I can concur that it's an awful movie. <laughs> or, yeah, the, I've never seen the show, but the movie's awful. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Um, I at least feel like the Dark Tower, if if you uh, ask somebody who's never read the book, and again, I know I'm in the mi- minority of this after I went and looked at what other people are saying after I did my review. Am I being validated? Yeah. I think it's like at an 18% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and it's too high. I was. <laughs> that's, that's not true. 18 I think I, I think for a standalone movie, if you don't know any of the source material, that that is way underrated. I think there's actually some decent stuff here. Now, again, I gave it like a C plus. It's not like I love it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, I think they did some things right here. Yeah. The Dark Tower series overall message is about pushing yourself beyond what you think you ever thought you were capable of. Finding the strength within yourself to conquer your inner demons and finding out what you're willing to sacrifice for the greater good of all. The film is nothing like that. And people who haven't read the books who watched the film are now probably not going to be interested if they didn't like it in reading the books. And I think that's a terrible shame. So That is sad. Akiva yeah. Goldsman, you have forgotten the face of your father. <laughs> it's just, that's a good place to move on. Let's remember the good times, Andrew. Let's remember when people made good adaptations of Stephen King books. Yeah! We're going to do a best ever challenge. Uh, best ever Stephen King adaptations. We will rank our top three from number three to number one. And, of course, we can call Trump if one of us has it ranked higher. This was so difficult for me. I yeah. love, not only, I, obviously, I love Stephen King books. I've read a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But there have been so many good adaptations. And so film. many bad ones. Well, there's been a lot of bad. <laughs> yeah, you got to. <laughs> they're, they're going all over the world. But, the, but as, as bad as some of them are, there's something on the opposite end of that spectrum. Oh, and there's some phenomenal ones. Yeah, I had, I had no problem coming up with um, about nine total so like six i think i have somewhere mentions. around there yeah um one of which may surprise you but let's go ahead with our top three we'll start at number three i'll kick it off yeah um i don't think you'll have this one on your list i could be wrong i love the mist semi honorable mentions it's i i so good it is so good it's very well done throughout but the ending of that movie <laughs> is <laughs> it's mind-blowing on a couple levels because it's mind-blowing in what happens and yeah. it's also mind blowing thematically. Like thematically, yeah. it just ties everything together in this ugly bow, and it's just I I I was blown away at the end of the mist. Like I sat there at the end of the mist oh, yeah. for probably five minutes, just staring. You know, at that's the credits not, as they rolled. That's not how the book ends. The mist. Oh, really? the The book ends with them just driving off, and you don't know what happens to them. Okay. Um, well, I don't want to ruin the end of the mist in case somebody's just going to no, go out and see it. But the mist, the ending of the mist. Whenever uh, my friends and I, we were doing. Whenever I was doing the Flick Freaks podcast, we were doing a uh, ranking best endings in movies, and the mist won uh-huh. because that ending sits with you. Oh yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's something. I'll just say it's something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that that pulled it all the way up to my number three. What's okay. your number three? I'm probably going to get trumped. Stand by me. No, you're not going to get trumped on that. Oh, really? That's in my honorable mentions. Woo! Yeah. What a good movie. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, man, they bring it. And uh, The Body, great book, but this is one of the few times. For me, uh, my top three are adaptations that were better than the books. Mm. So You know, it's interesting. We've already talked, you already talked about the ending of The Mist is different. Yeah. You know how Stand By Me is different. Um Maybe this is just a Stephen King thing. Maybe he just really doesn't mind his books being changed, you know, to go to the big screen. I think the difference with The Dark Tower is it's a lot of books, and so it already is an expanded universe. Mm -hmm. And so there's something more to betray there, I think. And uh, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, Stephen King's books, they're all connected together. 
characters from different books. Oh, yeah, books it's all show an expanded up. universe. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually the Dark Tower where they all come together. Mm. So that's what the Dark Tower really is. It's a culmination of all the books. You and know, it, you're like, well, how does how does that character from that book end up in that book? Yeah. Through the Dark Tower. And you see it happen in the books. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, ready for my number two? Absolutely. Green Mile. Same. All right. Let's chat about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, okay. So the ending of the uh, the mist is pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. The entire movie of the Green Mile is heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one you have to carry on your shoulders Michael, all the way through. A lot of people would say that, you know, oh, it's just Tom Hanks, you know, doing his thing. He is way overshadowed by Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, Clark Duncan's amazing in that movie. Yeah. Uh, the ending of that just tears your heart out. Now, is Green Mile Frank Darabont as well? It is. So, Darabont, who also did The Mist. And did The Mist. Yeah. He he loves to partner with King because he knows how to adapt those. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I love The Green Mile. I love it thematically. I You know, it is a heavy movie to, to you know, to hold through the entire film mm-hmm. um but i think that's to the movie's benefit i think it's to the movie's credit that it doesn't shy away from that uh that heaviness uh so yeah i'm you know i haven't seen it in a while i'll be honest mm-hmm. uh, because it's not one i'm ever excited just to like throw in yeah oh yeah but, um <laughs> it's not hey guys you want to watch the green mile <laughs> that's not a movie Woo-hoo! you have that's not a movie you Let's have watch pe- a movie that's not a movie you have people come over, eat popcorn, and watch, and expect to have a happy goat right. jolly time. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, no, that's that's when you sit alone in your room and watch and weep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we potentially have the same number. Oh, I'm one sure as well. we have the same number one. Is it also Darabont? Uh, Shawshank. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, so that's what I was saying, man. The guy knows how to adapt Stephen King. Yeah. So. Um, Shawshank is one of those movies that's you know that did not succeed when it came out, but man, is it certainly blown up since then and now considered one of the best movies ever made and on imdb it's ranked the number one movie of all time it's just what an incredible story great performances oh yeah man uh tim robbins oh, so good and uh morgan freeman mm-hmm. oh just i think whenever i think because i've always been a fan of prison movies you know like what's life like in prison that's why sure. i found oz so fascinating this is a period piece which i also am a huge this movie has everything that i love yeah and then the ending of this movie is well whoa that came out of nowhere and then you have to rewatch the movie and try and put all the pieces together mm-hmm. and try and like oh, i see what happened there yeah and it's just one of those inner inner secrets that you get to keep for yourself yeah shawshank is uh definitely deserves kind of the place that it's been given as time has gone on so and the thing that stephen king is really good at is making it easy to hate the villains if you think of like a green mile or even shawshank or even stand by me all of his movies there's villains in them you naturally hate but he can even turn them up to 11 to where you hate them so much. Well, and it's interesting, too, because I remember growing up thinking of Stephen King. It was all very much, uh, he was a horror writer, you know. Was, Pet Cemetery. Yeah, it's... yeah. And so it was very much, I think because he exp- he explored such darkness in his writing about characters that, that he is able to then nuance that in a more broad story as a villain. So the villain, you know, is still ha- he understands that darkness well enough to capture how it would look in a you know an everyday situation so yeah. as opposed to you know like a psychotic clown or something yeah it's, <laughs> again pretty easy to hate that villain <laughs> yeah you think yeah honorable mentions yeah throw some out man uh it was so close for my number three to get overdone by this one but misery yeah misery's on my honorable mentions as it well it was so close to being my number three. Oh, Catherine bates she's terrifying She's yeah. one of the greatest villains of all time. Hobbling, right? The Is hobbling that what it, scene. Oh, ah. You can't watch it. No. That hobbling scene. <laughs> Whenever anybody thinks of misery, everybody goes, hobbling scene. Hobbling scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to talk about The Shining? Yeah, neither of us mentioned The Shining yet, uh, which I think would probably probably be on a lot of people's top three for sure. Exactly. Um, uh, I'm just not a horror person, and there's just a lot of there's a lot of really graphic stuff in that movie that just kind of turns me off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get the psychological tension of it is interesting. Yeah. And, of course, Nicholson's phenomenal. Interestingly enough, uh, uh, Stephen King hates this movie because it's he said, ironically, he said it's one of the worst adaptations of his book ever. Interesting. And it is definitely nothing like the book. Like, not even close. Huh. Kubrick went all over the place with this, <laughs> and it is like, there's an Overlook Hotel, and there's, you know, the family. That's about it. 
just, everything else everything is, else is different yeah that's probably it, why he's so chill about the dark tower he's like yeah uh, can't get any worse than the shining <laughs> challenge accepted said nicola arsel and kiva goldsman uh carrie did you like carrie that's also in my honorable mentions yeah. the old one yeah uh, i think i haven't seen the new one actually it's actually not bad uh as far as uh, like a, a remake goes mm-hmm. um it it actually added a little bit of depth to what was going on there with the character of carrie uh, that I thought informed it in a really interesting way, in a modern way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you got to go with the classic if you're going to talk best. Oh yeah, it, it it's what uh, launched his career. Actually, first book was it the first one he wrote? I think so. Wow. Either uh, Carrie or Christine. I think it was Carrie. Um, Pet Cemetery is the first Stephen King book I ever read, and also the first movie of his I ever saw. I've never seen it. Really? Yeah, or read it. Haunting. Haunting. Haunting movie. And yeah. uh, I don't know. Well, if I figure if they're dead pets, you know, yeah. there might be some haunting going on. Actually, that's uh, not what it is. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if we can count it because it's not technically a movie, but it. Well, it it will be. It will be. And uh, talk Literally, about it. Talk it about a, will be. Talk about a Stephen King property I'm excited to see adapted. Yeah. I think that it, I know you don't watch trailers. This has the potential to be like one of the best adaptations. Yeah, Just but isn't it horror? I just don't. I just can't get excited for a horror movie. Neither you know. I hate horror movies. Yeah, I am beyond excited for this. It looks terrifying beyond everything, but it also looks like a fascinating story. All right, fascinating story. I might be interested in, but I'm just not like just scaring me. Doesn't that just doesn't do it for me? Like you love Stranger Things, right? Yeah, you're probably gonna like it because that's what it is. It's and even kids from Stranger Things are in it every time we discuss this movie i feel like we're playing an abbott and costello game <laughs> who's on first <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um cujo i didn't have cujo in my i, I haven't seen it but mm, i like cujo a lot <laughs> just terror i have a friend with a dog named cujo it's very <laughs> nice uh it's a very claustrophobic movie because they're trapped in a car with a rabid dog mm-hmm. like not letting them out so you feel very claustrophobic and it's it's hot, you know, because you're in a hot burning car with it that won't start because it's a classic horror movie. Cars don't start when you need them to. Well, of course not. So, uh, you it's one of those movies, kind of like a uh, what's the uh, the Spike Lee movie where they're in New York. Uh, as you're watching these characters like boil and hot, you start to get hot. You're like, man, I can totally relate. You, you yeah, know, you, there's a real empathy to it. Exactly. So that's why I liked Cujo a lot. You have probably have some more. I had the Running Man <sighs> on there. So another terrible adaptation <laughs> i don't know i like the running man i find it to be very fascinating <laughs> it's so prescient do the right thing thank you very much i knew it was something like that i wanted to say let the right one in but that's the vampire <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally different yeah do I the f- right thing i feel like the running man deserves credit if for nothing else to being so prescient about you know reality shows the future you know the entertainment of destruction mm-hmm. you know the bringing back of you know the gladiator kind of idea yeah. um that kind of thing. I know it's not a great movie, but I think it you know deserves maybe a shout out. I honestly don't mind Running Man as far as adaptations. The book is about um, uh, one person is selected and they don't enter an arena. The world is the arena. You have to survive for an entire year while you're being hunted by the rest of the world. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, but Schwarzenegger, it's a fun movie. It's just a, you know, like you said, it's not going to win any Oscars, but as far as, you know, getting that whole 80s machismo thing going mm-hmm. on, they nailed that. Yeah. The other one I, I mentioned, and I know a lot of people would disagree with me on this, I really, I really liked Secret Window with uh, Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was, it was just clever enough for me to walk away with a smile. You know what I mean? Like, you whereas, stole my story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I found, I found the, the weaving of that to be interesting and i thought i thought the depth performance was really good too so i would throw that out there as probably an underseen and i would say underrated one of those very so. nice i think we had a good list there yeah no i think that works well before we head on to our sift quest uh, i want to remind you that this podcast is on a fan-funded podcast network so the only reason this podcast can exist is because of studio dna podcast network uh, you can go to patreon.com slash studio DNA to check out how to support. I will also tell you this month, every single dollar that comes in for studio DNA is going right back out the door to help a friend of the podcast who is living in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and every day is investigating sex trafficking in Cambodia and helping bring to justice uh, these Westerners who go over there because the laws are a little more lax, the policing is more lax. 
And so they're able to exploit children and women in ways that are just unspeakable, honestly. Mm -hmm. And he is there every day fighting that. And we're hoping to raise $3,000 to help him with his task. That would give him enough money for one year to hire somebody to help him with his investigations, those kind of things. He's working with a couple great uh, organizations over there as well uh, to fight human trafficking. So if you would be willing for this month, even if it's just for this month, to support... We would love for that number at the end of this month to be up to $3,000 to be able to send him that money. If you already give, if you would think about increasing, again, it could just be for this month and you can bring it back down next month. Uh, mainly, we just we want to be able to help him as much as we can. Um, thanks to uh, Nick, who just increased his pledge for this month up to $50. So hey, that, that puts you. the total over $300. And I would love to see... The podcast network get up to that thousand dollar mark pretty quickly here early in the month. So if you would do that, maybe do fifty dollars, hundred dollars, maybe even just start at five dollars or something like that. It all goes to help this month. Every single dollar is going to him. So we'd love to have you on board. Studio DNA is uh, the name of podcast network. So you go to Patreon dot com slash Studio DNA. And thank you so much for doing that. All right, you ready for the Sift Quest? Sift Quest. Each week we venture forth together on a sift quest that you have sent us on. It could be a question, a debate, if you've got an argument you need settled, whatever it is, just send it to us. You can tweet me at Aaron Dicer or email us at feedback at siftpop.com. Today's sift quest was launched by Jack via Twitter. Jack says, I have a potential sift quest. What are your favorite opening scenes to movies? My favorite has got to be Inglorious Bastards. Oh, okay. You didn't tell me that. The, the, the last part of that. Did you, that was one of yours? I have a top three, and number three was Inglorious well, Bastards. Well, there you go. See? Yeah. Well, go ahead and talk well, about the, it a little bit, because he didn't really talk about why he likes that opening scene so much. The intensity that uh, Christoph Waltz brings to the beginning of that movie, where he's talking about them being under the floorboards. Yeah. It's just his confidence in his evilness, and you. I, it's nothing that... I'd never I'd ever seen from a Tarantino film. So maybe that was why I was so blown away by that. I'm like, this doesn't feel this feels more like a Spielberg intro. And obviously the rest of the movie definitely falls in in line with what you see from a Tarantino movie. <laughs> yeah. But that end the the beginning of that movie is so tense. I loved it. Absolutely. Um I'm gonna go ahead and let's just bounce back and forth. Okay. Um I've actually got a list of, I don't know, maybe six. Oh, nice. Um, but I'm going to start with what I think is the best. Okay. I think this is the best opening of a movie ever, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, it, is, <laughs> yeah. I, it is just pure, amazing wonderfulness. The char- I mean, just seeing the character of Indiana Jones for the first time, you know exactly who he is, his, you know, his cocky nature through this progress. He's doing an obstacle course in an ancient... Sim- like, it's just... He's running from a boulder. Like, it's just... I, I cannot think of an opening scene that I love more than Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then Alfred Molina. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that was him? Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. As it was his first role. That was crazy. That snake. Yeah. <laughs> you throw me the whip. Or, or throw me the idol, I'll throw you the whip or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, I, 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 can't, I can't knock you for that. Whenever that boulder starts rolling down, I'm like, oh, here we go. This is going to go. Yeah, it's it's a scene I've even seen several more times at uh, the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular at Disney Studios. I always wanted to go to that. I, I imagine that would I was in it one so- time. They picked me as one of the extras. Really? Yeah, it was fun. Was it? Yeah. Oh, man, I can, I can only imagine. It was one. Uh, my next one, my number two, The Matrix. Trinity escaping from yeah. the agents. No, that's a good one. Because you don't know what's going on. You have no idea. And then she runs into that phone booth while that, that dump truck is just facing her. And it starts ringing. And you're like, why is she yeah. running to the phone? What? Yeah. Why is she answering a phone call? Yeah. And uh, then it's one of the things, after you watch the entire movie, you go back and you watch it and you appreciate that intro so much more. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my next one, uh, I'm not necessarily going in order at this point, but these are just some that I feel like are really worthy of mentioning. Uh, Scream, I think, is worth mentioning. That first <laughs> Drew, Drew Barrymore, Barrymore. Uh, kill in Scream rightfully sets those movies up as something that is both parody and also an excellent version of itself. Now, those movies kind of went off the deep end, you know, probably about you know the third one. The first two are actually pretty interesting, but they got yeah. a little too clever and full of themselves, I think, for me. But that first one is just the perfect balance, and that opening scene just sets everything up so perfectly. I gotcha. Uh, my number one, 
You know I love bank heists. Mm-hmm. You have an idea what my number one is? Uh, if, you, if you're going to go bank heist, I'm guessing Dark Knight. It's the Dark Knight. Yeah, that was on my list as well. Was it? Yeah. I kill the bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> it just sets up, again, the opening scene has a, a real interesting task, right? It has to mm-hmm. pull the audience in in a big way and set everything up for the rest of the movie and yet not overshadow the rest of the movie. Sometimes a movie will have too good of a first scene and it never lives up to it again. Just thought of one. Uh, Skyfall's opening scene. Yeah, the uh, several or, of the Bond not Sky, movies. Not Skyfall. Uh, what's the newest? Uh, Quantum. Of, no, no. I I was gonna say Quantum of Solace. No, it's the newest one. Uh, uh, Spectre. Sp- Spectre. The beginning of Spectre, where he's like on is, the on the on the roof. Yeah, on the scene. The roof. And yeah, yeah, the yeah, helicopter. yeah. That's what I'm thinking of too. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of the movie's garbage, but that beginning <laughs> of that movie's great. Right. Exactly. And and that's you know that is a great opening. But at the same time, it wouldn't be on my list of best opening because it doesn't do the job of an opening scene in that, the, you know, there's, the rest of the movie can't live up to it. Whereas in The Dark Knight... The rest of the movie lives up to it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's... I, I, I would be hard-pressed to think of an opening that was better than The Dark Knight. But you have more I do. List. I do. In uh, some that I think we give The Dark Knight a run for their money. Um, this <laughs> one, probably not. It's more recent, but I just have to mention it. La Don't La say Land. up. I, I was going to say up eventually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to start with La La Land. Uh, I, oh, yeah, the one shot. The opening one shot traffic uh, song of La La Land, Another Day of Sun, is, uh, you know, I, again, I've seen that movie even since it's been out, you know, a dozen times. And I just, when the big La La Land letters pop up on that last final, you know, uh, brass, you know, um, be, I just like, like I literally want to stand and applaud every time I see that scene. It's just yeah. it's so good. I remember watching that with you. You'd seen it a couple times before I saw it with you, and I looked over and I'm like, this is all one shot, isn't it? And you just <laughs> had this big old grin on your face, like, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, man, and that's yeah, that has to be one for me. Um, did you have any more you wanted to volley back and forth with? Or? I just thought of one. Uh, I don't know if I could count it as one of the greats, but we talked about Up, and I remember thinking, oh, this movie, the intro of this movie is kind of like Up Arrival. The beginning of Arrival takes you on an emotional journey like sure. immediately. No, that's a good point. That's um, a good point. And again, the rest of the movie lives up to it. It's one of my favorite movies now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, uh, just you know, the montage of emotion. Yeah. It makes it really heavy. Yeah. And I do think Up is kind of known for that uh, that amazing first, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah. It's almost interesting in that I wouldn't, I wouldn't even necessarily call that the first scene of the movie. It's almost the first movement of the movie. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it feels like it's almost more than a scene. It's almost its own movie yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, another one I would say, uh, Saving Private Ryan, that opening D Day stuff <sighs> yeah. is, you know, just puts you right in the middle of war, says, look, we're not going to pull any punches on this. Um, and you just, you know, I've never felt like I understood what it was like to actually be in a war as much as watching that first scene of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Uh, and then the only other one I had was Rear Window. Uh, I love what Hitchcock does in introducing us to the entire concept of the movie in those first minutes as we take a trip around the neighborhood. Does so. that start with him in the binoculars? Yep. We're just okay. taking a trip around the, you know, the different homes that are going to be the people that we you know, see throughout the story. So I saw that movie once when I was very young. Oh, you need to see it again then. Yeah. We got to do that Hitchcock marathon. I'm telling you, I have the theater, man. You just got to let me know. All right. We'll make it happen. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for, for getting you that SIF quest. If you want to do it via Twitter, just, uh, at me at Aaron Dicer, A A R O N D I C E R. Uh, you can also email feedback at sifpop.com. We would love to discuss whatever you want us to discuss about movies. So, Launch your own Sift Quest, and maybe we'll do it next week. Just leaves us with the buried treasure, my friend. That's it. I'm going to make you go first. Um, I, I I mentioned it last week, but I finally finished it, uh, Ozark. Okay, so talk a little bit about it, because you really didn't talk about it last week. I'm only one episode in. I really loved the first episode, mm-hmm. but I just I haven't gone beyond it. Does it stay really good? It does. Uh, I think all the way through the end, you're wanting to know what's going to happen to this family. Uh, it doesn't... At the same... It does feel very local because you you kind of like oh yeah that's exactly how you know everything goes over here i don't appreciate the uh the 100 percent redneckery of the whole movie <laughs> thinking that just because just, you live here just because you live here that you're yeah. obviously like that and yeah. uh, but at the same time uh they get lake life pretty spot on um but beyond that the intensity of just wanting to know what's going to happen is palpable throughout the entire how's the payoff 
Very good. It okay. sets up a s- s- subsequent Another seasons. Season. That's great. That's fine. You're like, oh, this is going to be good now. So I, I really like where it's heading. And it's a direction I did not see coming. Oh, cool. So Cool. Uh, I finished up something uh, on Netflix as well. Um, uh, no, not Netflix. Hulu. Uh, Handmaid's Tale. Oh, um, yeah. So I managed to get all the way through that. And managed is the right word. <laughs> like, you just kind of plow through that's what i you know that's what i heard before i started watching it was I told it's, you. like it's it's a trek so i even still have a couple episodes because i'm still taking breaks between episodes oh you're not done yet no i think i have two or three episodes left i think this show kicked in about episode seven i i really wasn't that much with it through the first six episodes meaning that i understood what they were setting up and i understood the 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 horribleness of the world you know that kind of thing and I was the performances are fine, but I think there's some things that happen in that six episode six episode seven range that transitioned my mind into a greater understanding of the world that helped me to log in better. It helped me to find that context and that foundation to care a little bit more about the overall picture and not just you know kind of those those uh, moments, those you know, smaller moments. Do you find this world too unbelievable or do you find it too believable? A little of both, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think your brain is fighting itself. It's one of the interesting things about the show and the reason I think I would give it a cautionary recommend uh, is it's interesting in that your brain is fighting itself going, this could never happen. Yeah. Like you want to believe that this could never happen. And then your brain immediately goes to places in the world where it's actually still happening. And you're like, Whoa. in some way, you know, and you're going, oh, yeah, my con- I could live in a country. Because it puts you in the mindset of going, oh, my country could be that, you know. Um, when you destabilize government and you have competing uh, armies or government factions, um, the, you know, the winner gets to decide. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just. So it, it just it really puts you in a place of understanding. I think part of the beauty of it is understanding how beautiful our system is. Uh, you know that that we get to have these conversations and talk about these things and pursue a better nation together, as opposed to being in a you know a place where you know everything is uh, decided for us. Um, but then I look you know I look at it and go I, I wouldn't get too comfortable and think it couldn't happen because it absolutely could. So. Yeah. Right it's, there with you. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of scary and interesting all at the same time. Very nice. There you go. We did it, Andrew. Huzzahs! Podcasting has commenced. Palindrome proceeded and happened. Palindrome one hundred and one. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's where we go live. M-I-X-L-R.com slash Studio DNA. Uh, huge thanks to Andrew for being my buddy today and being the Aww. second one. Do you have anything you want to like uh, let people know about? Uh, I took a break from YouTube for a week or so, but I'm starting to ease myself back in now. Uh, so I don't really have anything coming up besides just the regular old rigmarole. So if you head over to youtube.com forward slash flick freaks, if you're not subscribed, we just passed 46,000 subscribers on our way to that big 5-0 pretty soon. Excited about that. Oh, I do have something to plug. I'm sorry. Sure. No, go ahead. Next month, uh, September, I'm going out to LA. Going to be collaborating with Greg Alba, who was on the show not too long ago. Cool. Him, uh, yeah, might try and get on a movie trivia showdown. Don't know how that'll play out. but uh, That'd be fun. It would be a lot of fun. Well, enjoy your time in L.A., man. I'm excited. It'll be my first time out there. Oh, nice. Yep. As for me, uh, you can check out the YouTube channel, Your Movie Friend. Just search for it. That's where all my reviews are, and uh, you can support that at the Patreon, whatever you want to do. Uh, definitely appreciate it. Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for the Podcast Network as well for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at $3 a month, comes with some pretty fun perks, and every dollar again that comes in for the month of August will go straight to fight human trafficking at its source in Cambodia. So excited for you to help us out with that. You can find out more at patreon.com slash studio DNA. Uh, there's lots of ways to connect with the podcast. Uh, leave a comment at SoundCloud. You can tweet at us. Uh, leave an iTunes comment or rating. That helps out a lot. Or you can email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too. So let them know about the podcast and that listening is much easier than reloading a gun with no hands. Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be next up in your podcast feed. And we'll see you back next week. I think we're going to do our TV awards for 2017. So lots of TV talk next week. Week and we'll see you there.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.